Hey, Slate Plus, we are glad to be with you as always. We have a topic idea from a listener named Michael O'Shea. He said that a question popped into his mind this morning. Given the conversation that's been brewing lately about viral fake news and partisan echo chambers and filter bubbles, Michael is curious to know more about what our news consumption habits are. Who do we read um, in particular to make sure that we're not trapped in our own filter bubbles? Jacob, how about you? I will admit I get most of my news through Twitter and I follow a lot of people on Twitter and I do follow, I make a point of following a lot of conservatives I find interesting on Twitter, including, uh, David Frum and Josh Barrow and David French and there, there's a whole, the whole list of them. And now they te- have tended to be, uh, almost all of them are anti-Trump conservatives. So they're not linking to stories on Breitbart. And I still have to kind of make a little bit of an effort to sort of see what's going on there. But it's hard to resist the filter bubble. I mean, I tend to read, you know, the pieces that look interesting to me that get linked to by the people I follow tend to be on Slate, New York Magazine, The New York Times, The Washington Post, The New Yorker, you know, and there's a range of range of publications, but they all tend to be this based in the sane center left um, or uh, traditional mainstream news organizations. And when they're linking to something on the right, it's usually as an example of some outrage or fake news or something you should know about. I do think, you know, the, I've, I've read I've read a bunch of books this cycle, one of which was Hillbilly Elegy. By J.D. Vance that, you know, I think really were kind of helpful in, in trying to create some context for the Heartland Trump supporters and, and who they are. But, um, the, you know, the filter bubble, I mean, it's a, it's a, it was a good, it was a good question because it's not just a problem on the right. You know, people on the left gravitate toward people who agree with them as well. It has to do with geography too, right? I mean, the publications you named are generally produced in New York and Washington. They share that kind of set of biases or at least foundations too. Um, Ruth, how about you? So um, I'm sad to report that I am mini Jacob uh, and have pretty much the same habits that he does. And 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 the same um, worries about my own internal bubble. You know, you try to curate your Twitter feed so that it includes thoughtful conservatives. But if it includes thoughtful conservatives, then you're actually excluding this area of insanity that you should probably be paying more attention to and not have your access to it be, well, Donald Trump is reading those guys, so when he tweets it, then I'll know about it. I realized that actually in the days before satellite radio was in my car, I listened to more conservative talk radio, and that was very healthy because I knew what Rush Limbaugh and others were saying and inveighing about. And so I think trying to be a little more conscious of going outside of those things, to especially in our new regime to to make sure I know what what those folks are thinking about. And actually, in the days before Twitter and Facebook aggregated everything for me, I was a little bit more diligent about making sure I was reading blogs um, across the political spectrum. So I also use my Twitter feed and then I use various like law professor blogs for this. So Vol Conspiracy is a really useful place for finding conservative legal voices. I, I have favorite kind of never Trumpers or people who are 
deeply conservative but not aligned with this administration lately added to them. Charlie Sykes, um, who I happen to be on the radio with, he's a talk show host in Wisconsin who is holding that ground. I actually don't feel like that's a problem. I mean, that seems to me like a really important part of the political discourse to be taking into account and thinking about both to understand the increase, the, you know, continuing sharp differences in policies with liberals and also to think about where there may be some common ground. And the other obvious place to look is Fox News. But I tend I I don't watch television, really, especially television news. So unless someone puts a clip into my Twitter feed that seems like, okay, you have to watch this, like Megyn Kelly did this thing or, you know, Newt Gingrich said X, I'm not going to be exposed to the kind of daily Fox coverage. And that is probably not good because we should just have a sense of how all of this news is being presented and playing out in this other very influential forum among people who are Trump supporters. But you don't want to make yourself into a guinea pig. I mean, I actually feel the same way about CNN as I do on, about Fox right. News. If Whenever I watch it, I feel I like I'm losing brain cells, you right. know, and I just can't bear it. I was never much of a Facebook user. I don't go to Facebook. Do either of you get news from Facebook? I just don't use it. I don't use it either, Ruth. I I'm using Facebook increasingly because it is such an important piece of the digital puzzle for us at the Washington Post that I'm trying to gain a better understanding of because, because it, I mean, it's really easy for us to talk about getting our news from Twitter, but the reality is that many billions of people in the world are getting their news via Facebook. So it's really incumbent on us to understand how that Facebook algorithm um, the big claw that reaches down and plucks out things for you to read, how that works and how people access news in the real world, which is also known as not the Twitter world that we live in. But with the way that Facebook's algorithm works is that, like, I only see things based on other things I've liked. I mean, it's actually from the point of view of breaking it, one's it filter is. bubble. It's it's much worse. It, it's it where the filter it, bubble it, is being formed. Yeah. Like yeah. on Twitter, there's no filter bubble for me because I make sure to follow a whole bunch of people whose views I don't agree with. Whereas on Facebook. Well, like, no, it's not. It's it's not you. You can force it to fight the bubble by liking things that you don't really like. Um, but I think you need to. Be, but I think Safe it's to say very you're the only to person doing that. Ruth. That's good though. I like that strategy. <laughs> I didn't really. Like, could they put it up a, a, a button for not not like but not really like? <laughs> There's an emoji for that. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously, professional like. I have to admit, you know, I've shed all the all the brain cells and I'm down to the dregs. So I have cable news on in my office all day long. Um, and I need to uh, create the habit of turning it to Fox more often than I do. So that's my not New Year's resolution. Wow. If I had cable news in my office on all time, I think my soul would just die. I wouldn't be able to handle it at all. Whew. Welcome to my world. Yeah, I'm <laughs> impressed. We'll try to come up with um, some list of – we've named some writers. Ramesh Panuru at the National Review, Rehan Salam, who writes for Slate, as well as editing the National Review. Yuval Levine is interesting. I have no idea if I'm pronouncing his name correctly. Um, and then people like Jonathan Adler, William, Will Bode, uh, Oren Kerr, our folks at Vol Conspiracy, who I learn from and read a lot. Thank you, Slate Plus. Thank you, Jacob and Ruth. And we'll be back next week.